I planned to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. So today we've got a guy here that, uh, boy, you know, this, this, he's a perfect example of what we talk about every day, right? You know, how, how, how you start with basically nothing, you have a vision, how you execute on a vision, how you scale, right? Leadership, I mean, all these things are learned you know, from, from experience. And, and, and Michael Crafton has done an amazing, fun job at this. And Michael, Michael's name came about. What happens is as we continue to do this and, I, and, I, and we, our networks grow, we get friends that say, Gary, you got to, you know, Quentin, Gary, you got to talk to this guy. He's, he's freaking for sure. He's an awesome guy. He's, a, he's for sure a ditch digger CEO story, right? And so one of my good friends, Rhonda, who, of course, was on our show, uh, whatever, maybe eight months ago, a year ago, whatever it was, and uh, and Rhonda, uh, you know, specifically uh, remembered Michael after after having dinner with him or something in, in YPO, and 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 first time I was like, Gary, I, I've been meaning to, to to talk to you about this guy. I, I ran into he's the coolest guy. He's 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 a ditch digger CEO that that uh, is is gonna inspire a lot of people. So they said, you know, I said, who's this guy? And he, you know, it's Michael Crafton. And he told me a little about what he's done. So you're gonna hear a story today that 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 uh, is an only an American story, in my opinion. Uh, only in America story, and it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to. Q, uh, uh, you better be ready, dude. I'm ready, man. I got my notes. I'm ready, man. I'm excited for it, seriously. So we're going to introduce, there he is, uh, Michael Crafton. Michael, welcome to Ditch Digger CEO. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, we're, you know, we're going to do this, a lot of the same stuff we always do. We want to get in your mind. We want to understand, hey, how did Michael Michael think as a young guy, you know, who are the people around him that, that helped him form this, this uh, person he is today? And and then uh, you know where the vision come from? Hey, you're in this. You're, I love dirty businesses because I've I, I've been all over them for my career, and I, and I love when people can take a dirty business that other people look upon and uh, frown upon. Or you know when I when you tell people that you're you know you're doing this grease work, and I tell people I'm doing this seal coating and paving work. You know, not all not everybody looks at us as like a, a you know somebody they want to be like, right? <laughs> so so again, when you can take a business like yours and do what you've done with it's a blast. So so let's let's start with hey, you know, tell us a little about your you know your your childhood growing up. Uh, you know, how were you raised? Where you were raised? And 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 what ran through your 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 head as that young young uh, you know inquisitive kid that you were? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, you know, it's funny when when people 
meet me at first, uh, you know, everybody wants to ask, hey, what do you do? Or, you know, you know, where do you work? And I always lead with, uh, I'm a grease cleaner. And the very first thing people do is they immediately laugh, which is, um, you would think is rude, but it's actually funny. And that's why I say it. I say it. Uh, Cause I'm like, no, I really am. They're like, no, like, what do you really do? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a grease cleaner. Um, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, so it's always a joke. My wife, when I first met her, she would get really frustrated. She's like, you're more than that. You're more than that. And it kind of puts people off guard. And then like, you know, it's always funny a week or a month later, uh, I'll get a call or a text or like, Hey, you didn't tell me you were the CEO, uh, or you didn't tell me you started the company. Um, and I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter. Right. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. uh, anyway, yeah. So grease cleaning is, is my life. So I'm a, uh, grew up in Greenwood, Indiana. Uh, I tell people that's where I get my street cred, uh, <laughs> South side of Indianapolis. Um, south side. All right. Yeah. So South sider, um, you know, got a little chip on my shoulder cause of that, but I grew up in a great family. Um, I had a really great, uh, upbringing. My dad was a real estate agent. You know, definitely middle America. My mom's a flight attendant. Um, you know, both amazing people still together to this day, which is great. Uh, I have three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Uh, I got my work ethic. I think growing up, I was, so I'm the oldest. Uh, my dad was, is still the hardest working human I've ever um, been around in my life, which I think uh, rubbed off on me, um, which is a positive thing. But I just, I always had that uh, money making um saving knack growing up. Even when I was little, my parents tell stories of I would put my allowance in a jar and bury it under my bed, whereas my brothers and sisters would uh, run as fast as they could to the <laughs> convenience store and spend every penny. And then they try to find my jar, um, <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. But I, you know, I had two and three jobs as, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. I'd cut the neighbor's grass. I'd, you know, shovel snow out of driveways, um, you know, do odd jobs. And then when I finally got a chance to actually work for a living, uh, 15, 16 years old, uh, I would do lifeguarding during the day. I hosted at a restaurant at night and then I'd go to, uh, um, a place called Evergreen, which was the FedEx equivalent of the U S postal service at night during breaks to just make as much money as humanly possible, which at the time was probably like a thousand bucks a month, which was a million bucks to me. That's but big money back uh, yeah, so I, I think my, my upbringing really became, um, apparent just through my parents. I mean, you know, my mom worked a lot as a flight attendant, you know, away. And my dad, you know, was an 18 hour a day person doing real estate. So uh, very blessed to have that, that upbringing, you know, we didn't have a lot, but you know, they made sure that, you know, we didn't understand the difference. So uh, I feel really, really blessed because of that. So um, mom and dad, I mean, really, really, uh, really gave you the, the, the vision of what, what work ethic should be and what relationship should be and a lot of things, right? And, you know, what are the what are the couple major principles uh, that you that you really gained uh, in in watching them in your life today? What can you look back and say these are the couple two three things that really guided you in your life to who you are today? Absolutely, uh, and I've actually thought a lot about this over the years, and you know I've I've been, you know I do I've been really good about reflecting, uh, especially over the last few years when I've been able to settle down a little bit with my kind of work life balance. But uh, one of the things I think um, has kind of always stood out to me is empathy. It's understanding that everybody's got a story. Um, you don't know what people are going through when they're not standing in front of you. Uh, and if you can get to know and understand that um, and be empathetic to people's situations, I think you can really pull out some some powerful powerful characteristics that they don't under, fully understand that they have. Um, and then obviously the hard work, the hard work value, um, you know, earn everything you, you have. I think one of the things that's interesting about my story, um, which isn't groundbreaking, it's uh, I was so young and naive at the time that I didn't understand that line of credits existed or credit cards were a thing because 
you know, we just grew up with you either have money or you don't. And if you don't, and then you save it. And when you finally do, you do. So um, I think I think uh, uh, the empathy, the hard work and then just, uh, you know, the common sense of money management is a, is a really big deal for me. Uh, personal core values. Who had that more when it came to the management of money in your family? Was it both your mom and dad? Was it your your dad that kind of had that? Your mom? I mean, uh, I, I think I think my my dad handled most of the finances. Um, you know, I think you know coupon cutting culture that, that we had as a family. Uh, my mom kind of controlled uh, how cash was spent, and I think my dad was more of the budgeter. Um, um, but yeah, so I think I got it from both sides, which is awesome. which is really good. That's awesome, and and so many times that's not the case. That's not the case, right? One, one or the other probably has it, and sometimes neither have it, and, that, yeah. and that's tough. Uh, tough to get anywhere. What What about um, high school? How was your, How was your years in high school? What did you do? Any sports uh, that kind of gave you that that uh, persistency that you probably have even as a CEO now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, part of I'm very again I'm very blessed. I get to uh, tell my story to lots of people that I, I just I don't want to understand why people want to hear it, but I love it. Um, and one of the <laughs> one of the key points of my story early on was. I was very, very lucky and blessed to have a, a really great high school experience. Um, so I played, uh, I was a, on my senior year program for foot, I played football. Uh, I was listed at 5'8", 120 um, wow. at a, at a 5A school and a 5A school is the highest um, level from a, a, a student's wise. So we had about, you know, two or 3,000. So, so wait, my, hey, Michael, usually on those football uh, programs, like I was, I was listed <laughs> at uh, six, one or two. Six two, I think I was. I was six one and a half my junior senior year, and and one hundred ninety five pounds. Now I was six one and a half, and I weighed about one hundred and sixty pounds, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And, and so so again, I, it, was that real? That were you really that beefy? Were you really one hundred twenty pounds? Yeah. No, that was the funny part is I think they weighed me with my pads on, um, <laughs> and I wore high heels. The, day high the heels. height. So um, picture that. Picture the high heels. Night, so and, uh... I was kind of the, the little runt. Um, <laughs> But everybody loved me. You know, it was kind of the Rudy before Rudy movie came out. But <laughs> I, uh, I rode the it. bench, you know, freshman through junior year. But I just, I always was there. I was never missed practice. I was always on the kind of the, um, you know, the, the B team that would, you know, face varsity in practice to get them warmed up, kind of the punching bag. Uh, but I just stuck with it and, you know, um, worked really, really hard and, you know, focused on it the, the, all three years. And I uh, was very fortunate to earn a, a starting spot my senior year. Um, and what's really funny is every single game, um, the first play was a sweep to my side because I was a, a corner. And it was like we planned for it because it was everybody would see me on film and be like, yeah, let's let's do it. And every time I, you know, of course, I'm going to lie right now, but I blew it up and uh, hurt, hurt, hurt these big running backs. But, um, uh, but I think what I what I learned from from that experience is uh, subconsciously I was, you know, I just um, I went all in every time like I. Like it didn't occur to me that, you know, if I throw my little 120 pound body at a, you know, a six one, 200 pound linebacker who was, you know, all hopped up on, you know, creatine probably, <laughs> um, that it was a bad thing. I just thought, hey, that's what you do. Like if we're going to tackle somebody, you got to tackle them. So um, I think that just a persistent, you know, working out, you know, learning, just being around. Uh, really helped me through uh, my high school career with, with just being involved with football and sports and teamwork mm -hmm. and, um, you know, camaraderie and just getting to know, you know, who, what roles people should have and should not have uh, was really, was really, really big. And then that actually translated and I know I'm jumping around, but so that actually translated into college. Um, so I, I never missed one class in college and that's a real, that's a real fact, but I wasn't a good studier. Um, mm. And I think that 
because of my football, I never missed practice and I worked hard, mm -hmm. but I never once looked at a playbook either. You know what I mean? So I think that kind of translated through is as long as you put in the work and you're there, uh, you can learn just as much as if you don't go and study your butt off uh, the day before a test. Right. Well, I've always been told that 80% of success is just about showing up and it kind of shows it exactly in what you just said. Um, that's pretty cool, man. Um, obviously maybe not necessarily getting the, getting hit like you, <laughs> like you said you were, but the aspect of going all in at, at wherever you're at is pretty cool, especially showing up. That's what's up. Yeah. Show, you cool. know, showing up and adding some passion and, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of our success. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Man. So, and I think, I, I think it was a rallying cry too for, you know, this little guy's is, you know, <laughs> well, think, people. And think about, think about back, think back, uh, you know, you get to you know, give it up for coaches and those people around you that, that inspired you to work hard, inspired you to, you know, Hey, keep working on it, dude. You're, yeah, you may not be the biggest guy, but you got, you, you there's a potential, you got a spot in this team. Right. And, Absolutely. and, uh, those that, that continue to keep you focused and inspired and how that translated today and who you are. Right. I mean, for for me, I I've got that story, right? I've I got a football coach who's my buddy still today that that uh, made me the captain of the team and 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 when he shouldn't have probably and and had more confidence in me than anybody did, right? And and I had a wrestling coach, same thing, made me the captain of the wrestling team and shouldn't have, you know, wasn't the best wrestler. I worked hard and I was you know pretty decent, but bottom line is that confidence they put in me was like, wow, they made me so much better. So how can I do that, right? How can we do that as we grow businesses, inspire other people to be way better than they would be? without us, right? If we weren't there, you know, would they be the same? If they, if so, we're not doing a job. And, and a great coach, a great teacher, right, inspires kids to be way better than they'd be the rest of their lives if they do a great job, right? And and so what? Well, how, how do you translate that, I mean, to, to business in the future, right? I mean, it had, had, to, had to play a role in what, what got you where you are today. Absolutely. Fun stuff. So that so uh, so high school then then you know uh, you know after after high school then you you went on uh, you, did you go to college what what happened yeah so I uh, went to Indiana oh, University yeah. yeah I went to Indiana University uh, I had a really great college experience again I'm I'm just I think it's my a lot of it's my personality just kind of happy go lucky but yeah I went to I went to IU and then I I uh, moved north uh, back up to uh, Indianapolis uh, shortly after college. You talked about the friend group, association. How huge is association, especially now when it comes to business? Uh, it's it's uh, it's critical. Um, again, you, you never know. So uh, my thing is, is, especially with with our people and really my my kids that are young. But um, with me, it's you just never know when you're going to cross paths with anybody the rest of your life. And uh, there are people that um, you know I'll see that I hadn't I haven't seen for twenty years, and I really wasn't friends with them in college or. Or really any any time throughout our, our career that they were like you know they they just feel like they um they can talk to me or they know me because of just the interact the, the short interactions we i had of and how genuine i was to look them in the eye and actually have those conversations as opposed to kind of walk right by them because uh, again like like i said at the beginning I, I do truly believe that everybody has something special inside them that they don't even understand or see or know and it's it's the coach's job to pull that out 100%. um but you know I kind of fought the notion of it's who you know, then you can just work your butt off. And when I got into the real world and uh, my first job out of college, um, I didn't understand why some of the, the leaders of the company I worked at were where they were. Um, I was like, why? I mean, I can do that. Like, why did they get lucky and just get picked then? And it, you know, what it came down to is, um, you know, somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who introduced <laughs> them and, and got them the job there, which was always kind of frustrating. But as I've gotten older, I, I can tell you story after story of, you know, things I did at the beginning of our business that uh, translated 15 years later into some of the biggest contracts in the country that we have because of something small that I did, you know, 15 years ago for a customer who moved his way up. Um, 
throughout mm-hmm. the organization that they were in. Uh, that's kind of pulled us every time they've, they've moved. So it's, it's, it's your network is, uh, is very, very important and they don't have to be close best friends that, uh, stand up in your wedding, um, to be considered part of your, your close network. It's just, um, if they re- can remember your, your passion and empathy, I, I think it, it actually goes a long way over time. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, definitely absolutely something you got from your dad and it, it is such an awesome trait to have, right. And, and you love people and you really, you're really interested in finding out about their story. There's so many things that you'll find out from people that, you know, the, the waiter, the waitress, the whoever, right? Whoever you run into in your life, the, 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 the guy you run into at the bus stop, whatever it is, right? If, if you just ask questions and, and you'll hear stories that they'll like, wow, that's really cool. You know, there's, there's something in that person that you'd like to even d- dig deeper on, right? And you exchange numbers and maybe have more conversations later, but it's so much fun, right? To learn the story of every individual person you run into. It's not impossible, right? But when you can do it, it's awesome. And if it's just a, a two minute conversation to show that you care, people remember that, right? Especially as you get to be a, a success, more and more of a success story. People are like, whoa, that's that dude, Michael Crafton. Hey, man, that guy, that guy's like, uh, you know, treated me like a, a brother, man. That was awesome. For two minutes, I talked to him. And it could be somebody that's getting, getting in business himself today and says, wow, that's what I want to be like, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and now you've inspired somebody over a couple minute conversation to be different and, 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 and to think differently. So that's, that's just so much fun to think about how many people you inspire and how many people you run into that are different, a little bit different because you or remember you as, wow, that guy's like a buddy to me. I only talked to him for three minutes, but boy, I got a lot out of it and he was such a cool dude. So that, yeah. that's, that's awesome. And how, how fun is in life as you continue on in life and you get, you get a little bit of success and, 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 you, and you, know, you can inspire more and more people and, and, and think about what are you going to do to change the world instead of what am I going to do to feed my family, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Fun stuff. So let's let's uh, let's start on that on that business. Uh, you know, the, your business story. You know, uh, you know, right was this uh, right out of college? Uh, tell us about the the grease business and how it began. Yeah. So um, I, it's it's uh, it's a great story, and and I promise it's all true. I always have to start this story with uh, hand of God. It's true, <laughs> um, because it it although I think it's it's comical and it, I, I make it sound real fun and interesting and. And, and exciting, but um, as 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 you know, and I'm assuming most of the listeners know it, it was a horrific experience uh, <laughs> while you're living it, right? Um, so it's it's fun to look back, and I'm glad I can. So when I when I graduated college, I graduated college in 2003, and if you remember that time frame, uh, it was right after the Enron WorldCom fiasco, the internet bubble burst for the first time. Uh, people that were above me um, in my friend group at college were getting, you know multiple offers. They were getting flown around in private jets, signing bonuses. They were getting these big, awesome corporate jobs uh, because, you know, you know, there was so much fruit on the tree. And then when the Enron World Cup happened and the bubble burst and then everything kind of slowed down um, in 0203, there weren't a lot of jobs for us coming out of college. So I was very, very fortunate. I got a job offer uh, making $27,000 a year for a company called Centos, which I know you probably heard of. Sure. Uh, Fortune 500 company, largest in its industry, great story. Um, as a business, uh, selling floor mats and shop towels. Uh, Centos has grown significantly since then, but my job was just literally sell shop towels to uh, auto repair places and floor mats to uh, anybody that would buy them. And one of the things that um, uh, I learned from that experience, and, and I tell anybody that will listen, I am who I am because of my Centos experience. Uh, and I've been in, I've been able to keep in touch with some of my, my managers and mentors from Centos. But uh, one of the things I tell people is they put me through a Re- remarkably uh, extensive and expensive training program when I started there 
that was a proven multi-million dollar investment for them over time to to learn the the principles, the methods, the systems, the disciplines on what makes sure. you successful. Uh, and one of the things that I I love talking about is when I was at CentOS, I was a young, naive, you know, 22, 23 year old uh, kid who didn't know anything else but to follow the rules, um, show up to the training, do what they told me. So I literally did exactly what they said. I made 100 calls twice a week. Um, I, you know, turned my paperwork in on time on Mondays. I did seven stop bys a day. I presented three proposals a day. Um, and from that, I was selling so much business and exceeding my quota because I was doing what they had proven to do over 50 years that some of the experienced reps were struggling uh, and they didn't understand what I was doing different. And I just kept saying like, ah, I'm just doing what they taught us in class. I don't understand. Um, well, the, uh, what happened with that is uh, I got real antsy and I was working 20 hours a week. Uh, I was sandbagging months of sales, which that's obviously not a good thing to do. Because I wasn't incentivized to turn anything in. Uh, I just was incentivized to hit my quota as a new trainee. Right, right. Yeah, so I was making, again, I was 27K a year in 2003, which was a lot of money to me at the time, but not a lot of money when you think about it. And I spent every nickel. I was, you know, paycheck to paycheck, single. You know, we were going out to the bars, you know, eight nights a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, trying to, um, you know, meet as many females as possible. Um, so we didn't, I didn't really have any money. Um and um, what happened, so the, the, the legend is, and the true story is, is a, a friend of mine, we were out on a Tuesday night, and it's important to know that I was, I guess I was out on a Tuesday night, um, <laughs> and we had had a few too many waters, and we both promised each other uh, that we were going to quit our job, and we were going to start a business, and we didn't know what we were going to start, but we just, we were going to start this great business, so we, you know, bro-hugged, and we pricked our fingers and spit in our hands. <laughs> You know, we did this, we did this promise to each other and, you know, we left. Well, the next morning, uh, groggy and foggy, I walked into my office. I turned in the largest sales week, um, in the Midwest for, for CentOS ever. And, and I quit that very second. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and my, my boss thought I was kidding. He's like, ha you know, great job, you know, last week. Cause it was week to week quotas at the time. And he said, um, you know, we're really excited to move you up. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm actually quitting. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And I remember very specifically the question, and I can literally remember the emotion I had as I stopped and I said, well, well crap, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I just, I just said, hey, you know, I got a plan and it is what it is because, you know, I just, I didn't want to talk about it. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Well, you know, I got a banker's box and security walked me out. You know, it's a big company. Um, and I got to my car and I pulled out my little tiny flip phone because um, this was pre free smartphone and I called my buddy and I said hey man I did it I did it let's I quit my job let's let's do this and you know he literally said and I won't say the real word but he said you got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> he's like I thought we were kidding we've been drinking water and I was like yeah I was like no awesome. so I, I had a split second uh, um, reaction of should I walk back in and say just kidding um, <laughs> yeah. uh, or do I just suck it up and go do it um, at the time I, I literally had $800 in the checking account. Um, you know, I was renting at the time, so I didn't, didn't have a mortgage and my car was a hundred years old, um, as we all had back then. Um, and I went to a, a little library called the Glendale Rot Library, which is still there. Um, at the time it was a rougher neighborhood. Um, but back then you had to wait in line for computers, mm-hmm. uh, because Wi-Fi again, wasn't, wasn't a thing yet either. And laptops were uh, uh, 10 grand. So I waited in line for a computer. Uh, long story short, I finally got to a computer. 
I started searching businesses to start, um, and uh, copies were ten cents a page. So I went through all these businesses, and they and you know the real story is is they were all like fifty hundred pages long, uh, and I found this this four page paper on how to clean grease out of kitchens for money. Um, so I printed that off, cost me forty cents. I took it to uh, the local gym, uh, and I got on the treadmill, and I read that over and over for probably an hour. And I knew that once I got off, I'd have to do something. Um, because I didn't have money to literally make rent the next month. Oh, wow. Um, so I took my hundred bucks. I spent $200 on a pressure washer from Craigslist, uh, which is what the, the, um, paper told me to do. I went to, uh, Walmart, bought a flimsy trash can. I went to Lowe's and bought some plastic and some chemical. And, um, I just started driving around asking people if I could clean their, their grease hoods. Um, and the rest is history. So Michael, listen, that was amazing, man. I, you know, the one thing I think that it, it, it shows Cause you're just really good at following the game plan. Like you're really good at whatever it says, do it, but do it to the nth degree. My next question though, is what is in the water that you all were drinking in order for you to go <laughs> and do that? Cause <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, it was good water. I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the funny part about the story is, and, and you probably get it, but, the reason Tuesday night was important because you should never go out and uh, drink water on Tuesday night, but it happened to be like penny water night. <laughs> so um, it was even it was even funner. So um, cool. yeah, it was it was really great water. And the cool the cool thing about that is I think a lot of people don't uh, embrace or have gratitude for that job they're in when it's working for a big company. Yeah. And I, I look at McDonald's. I think boy, kids should be able to get jobs at McDonald's if they want it for four bucks an hour, three bucks an hour, a young kid that doesn't have a job that wants the experience, you know, and because the experience of McDonald's, just like, uh, you know, any, any franchise successful franchise system, just like Quintas had that, had that, that, that training and that, and that the, uh, you know, process driven uh, systems that are proven to work that the kid, a kid can learn from just like you did. And, and, and boy, I tell you, that's, that's so invaluable and people don't see it. Right. You, you mean Centos, right? Centos. Did I say Centos? <laughs> well, you put me and Intos yeah. together, which Quintos, is Quintos. Quintos. Oh yeah. There's a Quint, there's a Quint uh, something. Okay. Centos. Yeah. So either way, and I do know Centos are a great, great company. They're huge now, but, but either way, like I said, the, the, the lessons in that business, the standard operating procedures that you learn from, yeah. right. Are something I'm guessing you carry on in, in, a, in your own way today. Here's what we do. Here's the job. Here's how many calls you make. Here's how many jobs we expect you to do. So the metrics that you learn there right. yeah. are so important to success in business. And I didn't get that initially, you know, the metrics and how we have to manage metrics like like I do today. But you got it in earlier earlier time because that that uh, the experience there. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, if you walk up to our front door and you take the logo uh, off our building. Um, you would actually have no idea that we weren't Centos um, because everything from the front door to the back door, the way we greet people, the way our management structure is set up, the way we, we manage our service department, our sales department, our customer service, everything uh, is um, an exact replica of the way Centos does it. We just do a different service. That's right. what's up. That's awesome. 
So so go in and so you 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 got you was driving around, uh, you know, getting uh, trying to get sales. What happened after? How did that happen? Your first sale? How did you go about it? You know, the the hard knocks, the bootstrapping part. This yeah, is, so this so, is what everybody wants yeah, to know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing, cutie. You know, he, he bought a you know like a brand new Escalade or something somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. right he, there, he, absolutely. He had to he had yeah. to get the you know a, a nice yeah. vehicle he had for to himself. Put some he's good a business, on it. He's a businessman oh, now, yeah. so yeah. I'm sure he did it up. I'm sure he had to dress up to the nines, right? And Expensive and, clothes, right? So tell us about that, how that looked, because we're, we're, we really want to know that. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Um, so uh, one of my, um, I do a, a series on, um, it's called Act As If. Um, you know, you have to act as if you're the best. You have to act as if you're you're bigger than you are, just so you can kind of start living and feeling and breathing that life. Um, uh, and I've done some, some really great uh, philanthropy work around that Act As If statement. But uh, at the time, so CentOS taught me that, you know, certain, you know, dark suit, white shirt, red or blue tie. Uh, you know, we had a black portfolio leather thing that, you know, we would present on a three ring binder. We would present our services in these slicks and then we would have these carbon papers and we'd fill out the proposal. So when I first um, started uh, the hood cleaning business, that's actually what I did. I would show up in the back of kitchens, full suit, you know, oversized wow. suit from, you know, men's warehouses, <laughs> Clarence rack. Um, looking back, it was like, like, I can't believe I wore something that big, but, um, so, and, and I'd have this black portfolio binder and people were just kind of looking at me. I was talking to chefs who were dirty with these white, uh, chef coats on, or the manager was, you know, smoking cigarettes in the office, kind of you know, already mad because the day started bad or they missed their delivery. Um, and one that I, you know, I remember exactly where it was and who it was, but one of the uh, restaurant managers I was trying to sell, looked at me and said, are you telling me I'm supposed to buy grease cleaning services from a guy in a suit? Um, <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, you're right. Like, that is weird. Like, why am I wearing this suit? So, <laughs> um, so that I literally left there um, and I went to um, a, di a discount store and I bought a, a polo shirt, a Ralph Lauren shirt, which is important as part of the story. Uh, that was like, you know, 15 bucks. Um, and I, you know, put that on with some nice khakis and that's how I started selling. Well, when I was selling, um, now that I kind of looked the part a little bit more, I was acting as if like we were a huge company already. And I, and I, I wasn't lying, but I also mm -hmm. wasn't telling him the whole story. You know, I, I had my brother, my sister and all my brother's high school friends in a picture. And I said, this is our management team. <laughs> so it just looked like it was a lot of people. And I, you know, I would, I had this, I had one uh, pickup truck that I, you know, superimposed, uh, the, we were 360 services back then. I superimposed 360 services on the side. And then I like copied and pasted it so it looked like I had a bunch of trucks um, and and I kind of sold that way and I you know we're professional and because CentOS was image and I, I'll stop talking about CentOS but image is everything um, we're the image people and you know it was all about quality and professionalism and, and you know we show up in uniforms and your people should too um, so I would sell this uh, big company experience to these to these restaurant owners and one of the things that I'm very blessed with is I I, I can connect with people really quickly, but I also can sell and um, I kind of really good at reading people and reading the room. Um, so I, I got a bunch of sales really quickly. Mm. Um, and it was all the little you know restaurants. And the first one was um, Bob Evans on, on the east side of Indianapolis. Um, but the first job I ever did, so the, the deal with my business is it's a nighttime business. So, or our business. So it's a nighttime business. So the whole business runs itself during the day, but the service is actually performed in the sure. middle of the night because restaurants have to be yeah. closed, food service facilities. So I had to go out and sell and answer the phone because remember back in 2005 is the first day of our cleaning, my first cleaning. Um, cell phones were not, they were flip phones. 
there wasn't really Wi-Fi and laptops, and there was no cloud. Like, that name hadn't existed yet. Sure. So you had to be physically in a building with a phone line to, to answer office calls, um, at least back then. So uh, I had to actually be working during the day, and then I had to actually go out and clean all the stuff that I sold at night. Mm. Um, so the what I would do is I would do 72 hours on straight, and that's a real thing. Um, and then I would sleep for eight hours, which I would say take a nap. And then I would just get up, and then I would sell, invoice, clean, sell, invoice, clean, sell, invoice, clean, then I'd sleep. So I would do 72 on, eight off um, of being awake the whole time. And I did that for almost an entire year. Um, but one of the things I remember, and these are cool stories looking back, and you know, you know, when you have his, you know, timeline and you tell uh, new people coming in during orientation, but I was driving to my very first job. I literally barrel rolled over two medians and flipped over into a Walmart parking lot that I had sold. <laughs> um, and I had like $10 in my pocket, um, which is my last $10 to my name. Um, they had gray zip up hoodies, um, on sale. And the only size they had that was large was gray. And those were like five bucks and they had $1 hats. And the only one that wasn't fitted, uh, was a red hat. Uh, and that became up until, uh, uh, we purchased the Nelba. That was our company colors was red and gray because of that, that moment. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Um, so I put those on and I just showed up at my first job and, you know, honestly to, I would bid this job at probably a couple thousand bucks, but I think I bid it at 200 bucks at the time, which was a lot of money to me. Um, and then I didn't understand being young and naive that there was something called, uh, AR. <laughs> I thought that, you do a job and they just hand you the money and you leave and they're, you know, everybody's happy, but that's, so I had to wait 30, you know, 30, 45 days to get the money for that, which is funny. But, um, so, so, you know, the colors became red and gray. I slipped, then I said, you know what, I need to go back to CentOS. I conned my old boss into giving me a set of old uh, demo uniforms with no logos on them. Uh, so at least I could look the part cause I, I couldn't afford to pay for them. And he was, you know, really, really great about doing that. And we're still a CentOS customer to this day because of, that loyalty that I have to them. But, um, uh, so then I just started, uh, I started hustling and, uh, I just, you know, uh, another customer after another customer and out another customer. Um, and there's this really great, um, uh, if you, if you ever go to our website, there's a great story uh, that I tell, um, where I, um, my first big break in, at, 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 uh, 360, you know, I'll, I'll let you ask questions, but was I literally call, I somehow found the name of uh, the regional manager of Arby's who had like 10 stores under his corporate uh, responsibility. His name was John. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, about this. I was like, I'm glad you're going into it, man. Good. That's that's the question. Go into it right there. Arby's, let's do it. Love it, yeah. Um, and I'm very, uh, very blessed and loyal to, to the Arby's brand to this day. Um, so I called John, and this is not a joke. This is a sincere, absolutely this happened, and he would tell you the same thing. I called him every single day at 8 a.m., Monday to Sunday, every day at 8 a.m., he came into his office, put his coffee down, and his red light was blinking on his desk phone, <laughs> and he knew what that voicemail was every day, right? So a whole year goes by, he answers, and, and I got real fun with it, right? I was like, John, last night was crazy, um, can't believe you missed it, or I'd be like, hey, you know, did you, uh, did you see, you know, did you see John, you know, you know, whatever. And it became a funny joke to me, and he probably was so annoyed. So anyway, he answered one day, and he just said, Michael. He didn't say hi, because he knew who it probably was. Uh, and I just, like, froze. I was like, oh, my God, like, I actually have to talk to this guy now. Um, I was like, oh, you know, Mr. Kelly, uh, my name's Michael Kraft, and I'm with uh, 360 Service. He's like, Michael, what do you want? And I'm like, 
listen, all I want to do is I want to clean your exhaust hoods. And he literally said, and I, you know, you're telling me that you called me every day for a year because you want to clean my exhaust hoods. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's like, all right. He's like, we had an issue last night. That's why I answered. Um, you have an opportunity. You get five minutes on Friday or Monday, whatever it was. Uh, so I showed up. We ended up having a, we hit it off. We had a, you know, an hour meeting. Uh, I got his 10 stores, which translated into his counterparts, uh, other 30 stores. So we had 40 stores right off the bat for Arby's. Uh, it was a great customer. I used to clean them myself. Uh, the really great thing about treating people with respect and, and John and I, um, you know, we worked really good together and uh, throughout those years. But John, um, who, you know, was at my wedding, very close friend, he has worked his way up and he's now the COO of Arby's corporate nation or worldwide. Mm. Wow. Which is awesome. And he's kept pulling me to every market he's taken over and we don't, um, which is awesome. And, and we're really good friends to this day. And um, some That's of his, cool. under, some of the people that he's worked with and has worked for him have gone on to bigger and better things. And they've pulled us uh, into their accounts, which is, which is awesome. So yeah, that's the Arby story. It's true. Um, you know, that's, that's a lead in story that people love to hear. And, uh, so Michael, as you grow though, right. I mean, and, and we've, we have this, uh, challenge as I think you do too, you know, our competitors are, are across the country are, you know, mom and pop smaller, you know, a few, couple in our industry, a couple million dollar a year in, businesses where, you know, we've grown to be one of the largest and, and, and we have to somehow maintain that, that relationship as, you know, is, is, is motivated and and is will is willing to serve them as well as that what I, what you and I used to be the mom and pop right if we can't do that we're the big guy now that they, that doesn't really probably need the work that doesn't doesn't express the fact that they have to have the work maybe right what do you do to make sure that that those relationships continue to grow just as strong as those one the ones you built uh, in the future as you get bigger and bigger and not to be looked upon as the giant, the, 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 that, that really, you know, doesn't need the business as much as that little mom and pop that's just in their neighborhood, right? Absolutely. So I think if I had a nickel for every time somebody says is that we've just gotten too big, uh, I don't think I'd even uh, have to work anymore. But um, so one of the things, so at, at, at Nelbud, one of the things we're very passionate about is our core values, which kind of leads into your question. And our core values are called chapters. Um, and the chapters concept is basically you get to rewrite the, the next chapter of your book every day. No matter how bad the story was the day before, you get to rewrite that chapter the next day. And each letter uh, is a you know obviously a word um, that you can relate to everything you do. And we relate it to everything we do internally. But um, so the chapter's concept is how we manage the way people interact with each other. They interact and deal with their personal life and professional life, but also they treat and, and how they deal with um our customers and the relationships that, that they're building, uh, but they also have a great example. So um, most, actually all of our senior leadership team kind of bought into the philosophy that I kind of started the business with because it works. It's no different than CentOS. Uh, you can't deny that what we've built over time has not worked. So there's no reason to fight it. It's not a situation where you don't know what we're going through. Well, actually I do, and you don't even know what, you know, we went through to get to where that you have the opportunity to even say that. So. I think the whole um, leading by example is a big deal, but we look at every single customer as its own thing, right? So, you know, every every office that we have across the country, and we have 20 now, uh, every manager of those offices, every assistant manager of those offices, they're running their own little business. And we teach them that, you know, the barbecue shack across the street is equally as important as the corporate campus um, that's, you know, 10 times more in revenue because you never know when that restaurant's going to franchise and multiply and you just, you just never know, or you never know when you're going to need a favor. So 
Um, I, you know, the hardest part for us is pushing that culture out to the mass. And I think that's what you're saying. Um, and, and, you know, just effective communication and just, you know, reminding people that the chapters, the, the chapter is rolling at all times and, um, you know, mm-hmm. making sure they make decisions based on how it reflects one of those letters is, is really important. I'm, I'm curious if, if you can, maybe not, you don't have to say all of them, but uh, the, maybe the ones that are, and I'm pretty sure every letter is important to you, but if you can expound a little bit more on yeah. the chapter philosophy, this is the first time I've ever heard that. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, no, I, I whatever pretty, one's important to you. Well, I'm going to tell you them all because you have to know. Okay, um, I love it. <laughs> so uh, chapters, uh, the first, so C is change. Um, it's the first letter and the last letter is S, which is safety. So those are the bookends of our chapters. So the front cover and the back cover. Change is how we live our life. You know, we've conditioned our team to accept change, to understand change is always going to happen, uh, to understand that we're going to pivot on a dime, to start, try to stay relevant in the marketplace, but also go Go to where our employees are and interact with them the way that they want to be interacted with, but really go and, and interact with our employees and change the way we do business to kind of adapt to that market market share. And change is really scary, right? So change is something that um, um, is uh, uncomfortable. It's scary. It's hard to, to implement if you don't kind of keep an open mind and understand that there's a, be- a better purpose for the reason we're changing. So that's why we make change the first thing, and that's what we kind of start with. Yes, and safety, which is the last thing, is kind of what holds our company up. We're extremely aggressive about safety. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, what keeps you up at night? And I just very clearly, it's two things. Everybody comes home from their shift and everybody gets their paycheck on time. Uh, And I'm very serious about that. It's the last thing I think about when I go to bed is the decisions that I'm making uh, will affect those two things. So so safety is the the kind of the bookend and we talk about it every day. Uh, H is honesty. Uh, We obviously need to make sure that we are honest with each other. Uh, and all of our chapters kind of, uh, we're an employee first, customer second company, which is splashed on our website, but uh, they all re- are basically built on how do we interact with each other as an organization, and then how do you take those and interact with your family and your personal life? Because uh, it's not just about uh, uh, working every day. So H is honesty. you got to be honest with ourselves, honest with our customers and our families. Um, a is accountability. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that I did a poor job of coming up in the business is uh, holding my people accountable. I would just, you know, just do it for them or I would, you know, just pick up the pieces when they weren't, weren't doing it. And instead of educating them and holding them accountable, I would just do it. So accountability is really, really big. Um, P is pride. You know, we bleed, uh, blue and gray. We're blue and gray now. Um, and we want to be very proud of the organization that we work for. You know, we want people to, you know, talk about how great Nelbud is. And we want them to, you know, some of our people come from really dark, uh, blue collar areas. Um, and, you know, they wear their company uniform jacket to dinner. I mean, they the, uh, some of their uniform pants are what they wear out every day. And, you know, we want them to be proud that they're wearing something that they, they believe in and people ask them about it. Uh, so P is, P is pride. T is teamwork. Obviously, we work, work together as a team. Uh, e is energy. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you can tell I, I may have a little bit of energy. Yeah, we can but, see um, where some of that comes from, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, we just – ah we. We want to come into work every day, just leaving it all on the field um, and just have energy about us. Because, again, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we want to have fun. Um, we want to, And people can feel that and they, they can they can hear and see that. Uh, R is respect. Um, you know, we, we obviously respect each other. And, you know, it's, that's probably the, one of the most important ones as well as, as we do that. And then obviously the S is safety. So every meeting we start off with, anybody have a chapter story? So people will say, uh, you know, last week I'm really excited about the teamwork our accounting team had. We had a collections blitz and we – got this or you know accountability um you know our new york city office uh, missed a scheduled appointment 
Um, but you know, they made up for it on Friday night when they didn't have a shift or, you know, you know, safety, we had a near miss that, you know, really changed the way we do business. So we go through those every meeting and people kind of shout out what their chapter stories are. Uh, every disciplinary hearing, you know, we say, how did this reflect honesty or, you know, do you really think that, you know, this was something that makes you proud or whatever? Um, and then even when we do bonuses, it's, hey, you get this bonus or this reward because of these three th- these three chapter letters. Um, and then we encourage people to uh, translate those into, into their home life because they're, they're reciprocal, right? Like there's, no, there's nothing in there that screams, this is something you do at Nelba. This is, this is something that screams, this is how you, you kind of live your life. And, and this is how you can um, hopefully, you know, be better. And I hope, and I hope and pray that uh, these are, they're instilling these into their families as well. And they're asking the same questions um, every day. That's awesome. And we, we have, uh, we, we're, we're, we're very similar in that, you know, of our five core values, right? Four of them are you covered right there. Right. That's and the true. other, and the other few you have really encapsulate our other one and our, and our, uh, slogan. So it's pretty cool. I mean, and, and, and I think over time you, you kind of figure out, you know, who you want to be and, 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 uh, it, 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 this, this stuff doesn't usually come about initially in a business. When you started up, I had none of this stuff in my mind at all. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I learned 10, 15 years and Hey man, we, we need to, you know, kind of teach a few of these things and eventually say, gosh, that worked out pretty well. Right. And then eventually, boy, let's, let's really build this, this, this brand on great, great, uh, culture built through, through, uh, adhering to core values and, and holding people accountable to core values. Right. But this, th- those are awesome, man. All eight of those are really good. I love the way you put it together with the word chapters too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, I, I went through a phase where I thought maybe it was too corny and we were, we were forcing it on people. Um, cause I mean, the word chapters has become like a, like a salutation. It's become like a, like a, its own, its own thing. Right. So like mm-hmm. people in emails with chapters, um, every like, you know, call we have with groups of people, you know, people are yelling chapters, chapters, chapters as they're hanging up. Um, uh, it's kind of like at the ending and the beginning of everything we do. Um, and I asked our, our senior team, I just said, Hey, are, do you think we're forcing this on people? Do you think it's too, like, we're too overwhelming and trying to make people kind of say the word. And, and they were just like, actually, like, I don't even realize that we're doing it. It's kind of <laughs> subconscious. Um, and, and, it, and it's just become a thing. So I think it's, that's something that I'm really proud of, especially as we acquire new businesses we open up new geographic territories with different types of socioeconomic cultures and East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that's constant is is people uh, believing in that chapter's concept, which holds us together. That's actually, I'm glad you uh, you alluded to that. I was going to ask you what's what's some of the next things that is happening for Nailbud and 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 what you have going on in that way. Yeah, um, so Nailbud, uh, it's got an interesting story. Um, you know, one of the questions I get a lot is, 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 uh, what, what, where did the Nelbud brand come from? Yeah. Um, uh, so when I sold, um, the business to private equity in 2015, nine years in at the time, we were the second biggest in the country, uh, in the space. And just that short amount of time, and they actually owned uh, Nelbud. So they were looking for, um, and Nelbud was, it's a phenomenal business, 35 years at the time. It's a constant, you know, they were, you know, chugging along, you know, steady Eddie, um, you know, they kind of, you know, they wrote the, they helped write the code, you know, 40 years ago, they were well known in the, in the country just cause they've always been there and they're one of the first, um, and they were the largest in the country at the time. So what was unique about, um, kind of the Nelbud brand in the beginning was we were this young, fast technology, technologically advanced kind of free thinking, you know, uh, radicals, I guess that was disrupting the industry. And I don't necessarily think we were disruptors, but 
doing things that people just didn't think they had to, right? Um, and Nelbud was this, um, you know, uh, aggressive but system-based uh, uh, business that just was kind of like, we are the best and you're going to deal with it. If you don't like it, go away, you know. Uh, but they hadn't innovated. You know, they were pra- passing spreadsheets that nobody knew what the right version was. They were uh, mailing FedEx envelopes of service reports every week to the home office. And it just it was just a they weren't sustainable. I mean, and the PE company knew that. So we actually bought them. 360 was the platform. Um, we rolled all their, uh, systems and processes onto our systems and processes, which were built to scale, um, which is a great story too. Um, and we, uh, had originally planned on taking, uh, the 360 brand to market as a national brand. Well, as time went on, um, we realized that 360 had a cult following in the Midwest Nelbud had brand recognition nationwide, and I didn't want to lose that brand equity mm. um, because I, I just felt like it was important. But we were having this, you know, Jets versus Sharks, West Side Story, <laughs> um, you know, argue, you know, Tupac and Biggie argument um, <laughs> because, you know, the East Coast wanted to do it Nelbud's way, and they were, you know, East Coast. Uh, 360 wanted to do it the, the 360 way. We were Midwest, happy-go-lucky. And it was just this push and pull and fight, and we just had a really hard time uh, pushing things uh, across the finish line. So we made the decision to, to move all everybody into Nelbud, which really changed the game for us. We did that in 18. Um, you know, everything, we went from stagnant from 15 to 18 to we have probably doubled, maybe two and a half times uh, the company from 18 to now because wow. of that culture. Awesome. Uh, and that's real. Yeah, exactly. That's That's a real thing where our people became one family, one company, one brand, one flag, uh, one set of core values, you know, one system, one everything. And I, I'm really happy that that all happened. And then, you know, we bought four companies in 18, um, went through a phenomenal integration. We bought a couple companies in 19. We opened up, you know, eight offices in the last two year, two man. years. Yeah, which is, which is, which is um, just remarkable testament to, you know, just believing in you know, the so, systems and process you put in place. So quickly on the, on the, on the chapters, did that help you when it came to, I mean, was it, it was, it was, uh, um, 360 that had the, the, the chapters or was it now, bud, or was it after that came about that you guys, that you said, let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, get consistent. Yeah. So uh, I probably shouldn't tell the story cause then I'm gonna let some secrets out to my people that listen. But, um, <laughs> uh, so chapters was a thing afterwards. Um, and what happened was, I was on an airplane and there was a bunch of squabbling happening um, that I was hearing about from my COO uh, between managers and, and people not complying with some of the change that we had implemented. So I was just scribbling on a piece of paper and I had a meeting right when I landed, I had a meeting with the group to kind of calm the waters. Um, and I had just said, you know, I don't understand what's, what's the problem. Are you guys not following our core values? And we technically didn't have core values. <laughs> uh, and they were, and I was like, well, let me remind you what those are. And I just, first thing I thought of was, uh, I uh, wrote down a bunch of words and I kind of did the, how do I make those, those mean something? And that's how our chapters came up. But the number one problem we had was change, um, because I wanted to move them onto our systems and, uh, they just were fighting it every step of the way. So that's how the chapters thing, um, came about. And, you know, the first three years and why we struggled with, with anything was everybody was, was, was like pulling and pushing and put and butting heads. Um, but I think that once we introduced the whole chapters thing and made it sound like that's how we've always done it, uh, people were just like, okay, yeah, you're right. We need to understand that change is, is necessary. We need to understand that, you know, we need to hold ourselves accountable and all those things happen. We need to be proud that we're a part of this big company. 
and that really kind of helped us take off. That's cool. That's cool. And and I think uh, many of us, <clears throat> as you did early on, and I did, and I think many of us undervalue the, the kind of the, the the that that really makes a difference, right? Because we we do look at it as ah, it's kind of corny, you know, the big guys use that stuff, the core values and all that, but kind of corny, and we're, that's not who we are, right? Now, when you when you think of the future, I mean, you're, you're, you've been a visionary here all along, and you've got to continue to be a visionary to lead the ship. Where do you see this going? Where do where do you see Nelbud going uh, five years down the line, ten years down the line, and how have you differentiated in the past, and 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 where are you going to differentiate in the future, to, so you can continue your growth? Absolutely. So Nelbud uh, is known for its technology. So one of the things that I did really early on, um, out of my as a frustration point. Uh, for, you know, I wanted to instantly communicate with my customers. I wanted to be able to be out in the field and look something up, which again, you couldn't do back then. Um, so I started investing in the cloud, which wasn't a cloud. And again, I'm not a like a pioneer because, you know, I didn't build the systems. But, you know, we we bought into a company, a little tiny company called NetSuite, uh, owned by Oracle, which is now the largest ERP in the world, um, you know, 15 years ago when I couldn't afford it. But I knew I needed to scale. Um, you know, we we invested in Salesforce before it was truly cloud based, and we, um, you know, we helped build a, a, a service platform that um, is now something that almost every company uses in our industry, um, uh, which is which is great. So I think for me to, to continue to innovate, and what Nelbud has coming down the pike is is how we go to market uh, and pull our service lines into all these different uh, these different customer bases and find out how do we stay in our lane and what we're good at. Um, but also provide value to the customers. So right now, um, and we've gone through a lot of iterations over the last four, three or four years of trying to do things that we're not good at, and we've realized that. Uh, and I think trial and error is a big deal, but uh, we are really good at proactive compliance-based services. Uh, and what that means is, is we pre-schedule um, uh, required by-law services uh, for our customer base. Now, we have tried things that are reactionary like HVAC, uh, food equipment repair, um, snow removal, all these different service lines that were reactionary, and we just aren't that great at it. So we just made a, we drew a line in the sand a few years ago and said, we're going to market, we're going to be known as the life safety compliance people, uh, and we're going to do a really good job, and how do we do that and provide value? And one of the things that we do to provide value, and I think we're constantly uh, innovating and updating that, that process and procedures was through technology. And one of the things I said earlier is you got to go where people are and you got to communicate with them effectively. Uh, so everything we do now is in real time. Uh, we've innovated to a point where, you know, we can, as if we're on this podcast, we can watch a cleaning happen in Las Vegas, assuming that the crews are working. Um, so can our customers, you know, so can, you know, a fire marshal if they really wanted to, uh, because we aren't trying to hide anything. So that's one of the innovations that we've kind of put forth. And we we're kind of about three to four years ahead of the market. We know people will catch up. And that's fine. But by the time they catch up, we'll have innovated something else. Um, you know, we changed the way uh, all of our trucks were laid out, which is a multi-million dollar investment uh, last year. Uh, but it saved us 22 minutes of cleaning. Uh, oh. The wear and tear of our employees' bodies uh, was dramatically reduced because they weren't stepping up and down these big tailgates. Um, but we did it because we knew that, you know, we needed to go to where the people are and make right. them more comfortable and happy. And it was worth the investment. And we it's, it's, it's changed tenfold. So, for Nelbud, as we continue to grow geographically, our vision was everything east of the Mississippi up until the end of 2021. Then we're going to start uh, pulling our Vegas office closer by going west of the Mississippi. 
Uh, but we just need to continue to cover our geographic base. But in order to do that, we need to make sure we innovate to a, a level te from a technology perspective, but also how our people interact with the equipment um, uh, to help make that more efficient so our customers can feel and see it uh, so they can't leave. So, so you know, you mentioned something that, you know, we I struggle with, right? When, when you're an entrepreneur, you know, staying in the lane is something that, you know, I, I need to keep, you know, cracking myself in the head over again. Stay in your lane, stay in your lane. But but because you're an innovator, and I believe, you know, we are as well, you're innovating, you're, you're constantly seeking out great, great technology innovation. So you, you, you come up with, you know, uh, 10 ideas a, a week or whatever it might be. And you have to find those those ideas that actually do deliver more value to your customer. But but then again, in sometimes sometimes you get to look and say, "Gosh, wait, but it, it's going to deliver more value." We know that we have the relationship, but is it? Are we still in our lane, right? And so again, when you think about these things, right, it, it, you know you're going to fail. You're going to you're going to jump into something where you think you're serving your customer better than anybody else, and, and it's a it's a value add to your customer. But once in a while, it ends up that that it, it takes it takes your 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 uh, your eye off the ball, right? So, you know, how do you look at these things, you know, Michael? Because I tell you what, I, I still struggle every day because to, to, I, I chase a lot of shiny objects if I think they're going to be a value to my customers, right? Yeah, we, we call them squirrels. Um, uh, I, I have a bad habit of chasing squirrels all the time. But anyway, so uh, it goes back to accountability. So I got into a trap where I was changing so, the, the processes and the company's kind of way of doing business so often that it became watered down and people started to just say, hey, just hear him out. He'll forget about it in a couple of weeks and we can go back to the way it was. And then I wouldn't <laughs> stick to familiar. it. Right. Yeah. And it would kind of die. And then, you know, four months later, I'd be like, what do you mean we don't do it that way? <laughs> uh, so, um, so what I learned through that process is, is instead of shooting for the hip and, and thinking that everybody works the way I do and, and sees the vision the way I do, I need to be more methodical, uh, test it, you know, create a committee that will mm -hmm. have a little sample set um, from a technology perspective and a change perspective. Uh, but I think what really what really hit me in the face like a, uh, like a brick wall is when we when we ventured out and tried the HVAC world, which is a 100% reactionary. You don't know what you're doing until the, the morning the phone rings. Um, we stumbled and we sucked so bad that we um, lost some really great relationships that we should never have lost because we just couldn't keep up with that that uh, expectation, even though we were performing well in the re in the uh, proactive services. Um, so that really, that pain, which mm -hmm. was one of the worst pains that uh, I felt as a business person, and it almost it almost killed us, it truly did, um, was a, was something that I had to go through. I mean, I got a quadruple MBA from it, hmm. um, just <laughs> learning that. And, and I think that has really put me in a position to understand that, you know, stick with what you're good at, you're a 38-year-old business. You're really a 15-year-old business. That's the best in the world, and we truly are. Mm -hmm. I can, it's not a me saying that thing. Um, and people know it, so give them what they want, and don't let them be, get it. Don't give them an opportunity to be mad at you. Sure. Uh, so. and, and you know, I, I do find as our relationships of trust are stronger and stronger as we as we go move on, right? You, you can bring customers in, in new ideas, new products, maybe. In in a in a open and honest atmosphere where hey gosh we're you know here's something we want to try to serve you with, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna fall on the sword if it doesn't work out, but.
but but boy, we you know we think it could add value. Would you share in this exploration with us? And today we've got customers that do that very you know almost any time we ask them to. So we got to focus on that instead of saying, hey man, we want to make money with this business. We can you know we 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 can make a ton of money in a short period of time. You can't even worry about the money. You got to say, are you serving your customer better than anybody else? And if so, those trusted customers will 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 let you come in and 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 value you know pitch that value proposition. And often say, hey, yeah, you know, come on in, do it, and uh, we know you're, we know you're gonna fall in the sort of doesn't work out, and we'll move on if it doesn't, right? So it's, it's kind of those relationships that you, you have to say, forget about the money, Let, you know, you know, what, how can you build more trust, you know, more of a value proposition with a, with a new product, and 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 maybe you know, maybe two out of out of five of those work out, but if they do work out, they're you know, they're home runs, and hey, you're, you're gonna you get a stomach that three 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 out of five maybe don't, right? So. Oh, absolutely. And you said you said the word value, you know, four or five times um, during that. And, and that is uh, the so for us and well, for me, money never mattered because if we just did what we were supposed to do, we paid our people appropriately and everybody was having fun. It all worked out. And I didn't know what the word EBITDA meant. And I'm serious. <laughs> so you make fun of me later until I sold to private equity. Um, and now it's a it's EBITDA's fake money, but um, yeah, it is. <laughs> now, now that it's a thing, you know, we have people watching over our shoulder and uh, one of the biggest most classic stories of my career was I um, only raised my voice two or three times in my, in my whole life uh, from a business perspective. And one of those was in a board meeting where they were trying to push budgets down to us. Uh, and that didn't sit with me. And I went on this rant about, you know, you know, spreadsheets have number, people have faces, you know, you finance guys or girls are, you know, one in a, or a dime a dozen and us officers are one in a million. So you can either come run the business with your way or let us do it our way and it'll all work out in the end. Uh, which I truly believe because we wanted to provide value to our customers so we had long-term enterprise value as opposed to make a bunch of money today so they leave you next year during budgeting because they can't afford it. And that's, I mean, um, and that's a thing. So you're exactly right. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I look, oh, you got something? Yeah, I, I was, um, was going to actually uh, ask you, because um, I'm seeing a lot of the stats just for people who probably don't know as much as, and they need to definitely look up just the success that you all have. But like you said, a little alluded to you, 20 locations in 23 states. You have over 30,000 customers, over 100 uh, full-time employees. The one thing that I think is amazing, and you all are a six-time winner of the top workplace in Indiana, Um Honestly, Michael, I would love to ask you specifically, what do you think is your greatest achievement? Because those are amazing. Yeah, um, it's probably a surprise you. Um, uh, you know, it's I have a hard time talking about personal personal success, and I, I, I sincerely don't think we're successful. I think we got a lot of work to do. Um, we have a lot of work to do. But uh, one of the reasons that I started, and I, I, I this is sincere, is, you know, because I'm compassionate about people and everybody's got a story, uh, and I'm just I'm so empathetic to those people who does, didn't have the same opportunities that I had um, that came from, you know, a bad neighborhood, had a broken home, who were always struggling. They were hungry. They were people are always messing with them. People are stealing stuff, whatever. Um, you know, I wanted to give them an opportunity uh, to do something great. So, you know, 360 kind of started as a loose mission based company to create really great, sustainable jobs for people that didn't have that opportunity before. And I think what I'm most proud of through the, over the years, and you know, we actually have, uh, and it may have been a typo on my part, we have almost 400 people now, um, is we've taken such remarkable chances on people that society thinks are bad, um, and we see something in them and we try to pull it out. And we've been burned way more than we've won. And I, I it, it is what it is, right? But the ones that we went on, 
the impact that it has on me personally, but also on the organization and the stories they tell sure. and just the look in their face and seeing their families come in and, you know, give us a hug is, 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 is truly my most, Bonnet, my yeah. biggest success. I just, that's awesome. That, that's why I come into work. Well, and, and Michael, you, you know, you, you touched on an awesome point, but I mean, some of the, some of the, the, the most, the grittiest people that will get you through the tough times or get our businesses through the tough times are people that have been there before people that have had tough times. Right. And I, and I think that, you know, I know, I know that uh, uh, the grit that I've had in my life has carried me through the toughest times of my life. And 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 boy, some of these, some some of our, our our best teammates are people that came from tough environments. And those teammates will will stick with you through thick and thin. Often, when others that that have never been through any tough times will leave you if things are looking a little bad, right? And and we and we've had this over our career a few times where we've been close to close to broke, right? And when it happens. Some people, you know, say, gosh, this, look, this place is burning down. I'm getting out of the fire. And then, and then you have the gritty ones say, man, I'm here with a bucket. I'm helping you put this thing out. And those, yeah, pe- well, yeah. and, and those people are still on my team today. I've got, I've got people I can think about on my team today that were through all three of my toughest times. And, they, and man, I tell you what, I, I love them. They're, they're my brothers and sisters, and I, there's any, nothing I wouldn't do for them. And I, and I think they're the same way with me. And, and boy, you, you, that's what you have to build a business on. And so when you when you look at you know let's let's hire everybody with a with a with a four year degree and maybe a, a master's and and business and all that well boy you know that's great and we need those people and they can be invaluable to us right but 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 if we can bring if we can bring people in that have have, have a little more grit than normal and and we can show them a a career that 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 can put you know take them to another world boy now we've got something that's my and I, I'm seeing that in you and what you're doing and and that's just awesome because and, and by the way we've got businesses where. You know, these these kids going to Northwestern and Harvard, they probably don't want to be, you know, grease guys and gals and and, and asphalt guys and girls like you, like ours, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I think uh, something that's, I think, really uh, hopefully impactful, and I I really want to get it out because you just uh, lit a fire in me. But um, so one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about with our own internal team is um, understand what everybody's story is, understand how they tick, but just like, 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 let's fix the thing that's wrong as opposed to just giving up on them and firing them. And one of the examples, so we have a lot of really great, what I would call social programs at Nelbud where, you know, we have food assistance programs. We have, you know, they can bring their kids school supplies. If they just bring their list, we'll buy it for them. You know, we have Uber to work. You know, we, if, if you, if you need, uh, if you can't afford uh, three square meals a day, you sign up and, you know, we have them waiting for you every day in the freezer. It's like those, you know, those pre-made meals. Um, because the thing that's really bothersome for me is, especially about society is, you know, I tell my people, if somebody gets caught stealing cookies and lemonade from a restaurant, don't fire them because they're bad people for stealing. You got to understand why they stole. Were they hungry? You know, did they have a kid that is either give him formula and and not eat or, you know, what was their last meal? Mm. Was it a taquito at a gas station three days ago and they're just hangry? You know, there's there's so many things that that are going on that you just don't fully understand, and, and if you can get to the root cause of that, and you can fix those problems before they happen, I think that's what builds loyalty. And but it also it's doing the right thing. And that guy that stole the, the cookie and the lemonade, um, you know, he was hungry and he doesn't eat like he should. And you know, we give him a three square meals, which costs us almost nothing, and it's the right thing. And then he hurt and he hurts the company. You know, three months later, I mean, that's fine, but at least he had something at the time. So. Um, you know, just knowing their story and just, I mean, just getting deep and understanding each individual person's different. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really powerful. So. And do you do that through your, your HR? Do you the, the direct uh, the direct uh, um, leader of that person, manager of that person? 
I mean, that, that's the job too. You know, when you, when you, when you, you know, have the, the type of teammates, the amount of teammates you have, right. Staying, staying close to that, that, uh, the mission of, of serving your team gets tougher and tougher, right? How do you yes. do that today? Absolutely. So we, yeah, we, it's, we actually push it. I mean, it's, it's in every, it's kind of goes back to chapters. It's in every organization. Um, and unfortunately I can't be involved like I used to be in every, every HR disciplinary hearing or, you know, every, you know, reward or, or whatever. But, uh, I think that over time people kind of realize and understand that, Hey, that is a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, like let's get to the root cause. So I show so for us, it's HR, it's, um, you know, directors, regionals, uh, field level managers, but it's also the supervisors that are out there every night. Um, cause they're also may have been in the same position before. Sure. Um, but I think that because we're so aggressive about it and so passionate, we eliminate a lot of those things from happening before they start. And then when they do end up happening, you know, not to be cliche, but it truly is our fault because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't know that he hadn't eaten in two days and he was hangry. I mean, when I'm hangry, stay away, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm mad, right? Like, don't, like, I'll punch you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's going on every day. And, you know, we have a hunger problem in society, but that's a whole different thing. So, you're, you know, it's, it's awesome when you can take this free enterprise uh, opportunity that you have to do great things and create opportunities and jobs, right? I believe that's part of our, our philanthropic uh, mission in our all our businesses. As entrepreneurs and businesses, you know, people. some people look at business and successful businesses, oh, you know, yeah, they're, they're lucky. They're probably taking advantage of the little, little guy, this and that, right? When I believe that great businesses serve, serve their teammates and, and, and are a blessing to the, to, to the opportunities they provide. And on top of that, usually, you know, great businesses also do things on the side. So when I, when I think about, you know, you t- mentioned a story when we were kind of, uh, we were, we were kind of warming up here and talked about uh, buying a, at, a, at an auction, a customer telling you to pony up and, and buy something at an auction. And you, you went way over your skis and exp- spent too much money on an auction item, right? But that's a philanthropic thing. You had the heart to do it, even though you really couldn't afford it at the time. And, and, you know, what do you do today when it comes to, you know, f- philanthropic stuff, whether it be your per- personally, your, your the, the, you know, the business at Nelbud, you know, how do you guys uh, treat that? Sure. So uh, we empower and encourage um, the team, especially, and, you know, I'll talk about my personal philanthropic passions, but uh, so we, we give people volunteer days off that aren't, you know, are above and beyond their PTO and sick and all that stuff uh, to encourage people to get out into the community. Um, we do, you know, uh, branch branches will take people to, um, you know, my, my platform's hunger. I'm sure you've probably mm-hmm. fought or heard that through a bunch of things I've been saying, but so my platform's hunger. So we, we try to do our best to take divisions and departments and, and locations to like, you know, for Indianapolis, it's Wheeler mission or, you know, food pantries where we stock boxes or we sure. you know, serve food at, at different times. Uh, so for me personally, and, and really with Nelbud, uh, we try to do whatever we can to help us. Right. So, it's really great that we can go out into the communities that don't work for now, but and help them. But uh, one of the things that we're really, really sincere about is a lot of those people, they work for us. I mean, we're very dark blue collar and uh, they're no better than we are. And that's why I lead with, I'm a grease cleaner. Cause I mean, I'm not better or worse than anybody else. Um, so we have a, 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 a kind of a cool fund here internally where if you want to wear jeans on Friday, you put a dollar in the jar and then that those dollars kind of accumulate over time. And, if something really bad happens, you know, we had a, per, a employee's house burned down or, you know, their husband was in a really bad car wreck or um, their kid needed surgery. You know, we'll take all the money out of the jar, which is, ends up being a few thousand bucks at the time. And, you know, we'll have a we'll kind of donate to them and then we'll do a drive. And uh, we do our best philanthropically internally um, 
because we need to help and protect our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then anytime we have extra or anytime we have things left over, uh, then we'll translate that out into the community. But um, I think uh, the general rule for us is, is, is try your best to make sure people are eating properly because uh, it translates into, I mean, the, you know, school lunches and, you know, sure, I mean, like sure, you got sure. to eat so you can concentrate. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, so so your story is an awesome, great American story. I mean, do you, do you feel like uh, if you were born in in any other country, it could be this this cool of a story? Tell me about a little bit about your thoughts there. Uh, I think um, no. So I'm going to say no. But I also believe that um, everything happens for a reason. You know, I was very blessed early on in my life, and maybe that would have happened if I was born in. Eastern Europe or, you know, you know, somewhere else. But I was very blessed early on to understand my purpose, which I think there's people that are still looking. Uh, but my purpose, um, uh, I believe, is just to help people. So um, whether or not I got that by following my parents, whether or not I got that uh, as a, you know, God-given talent, uh, I don't know. But uh, I just know that I'm, I'm supposed to help people and lead people to, to do better things. And I think I've uh, naturally, without trying, I've kind of done that throughout my career. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even the people, some of our managers, you know, they, you know, adopted, didn't graduate high school, had a run in with the law at least once are recovering addicts. And, you know, they, they didn't, um, they didn't get the upbringing mm-hmm. that we had. So, so we, so, so we had to instill that in them and we had to help and provide that opportunity. But once they have it, uh, I feel like that's good. And I, and I honestly think, um, like I said, everything happens for a reason. I think I probably would have picked that up um, over time just from God-given talent. But uh, but I'm not sure if I would have been able to utilize it as I am now because of the resource that I built with this great capitalist country that, uh, unfortunately, we have to keep defending. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Quentin, you know, you got, uh, you've got man, some, some, some great takeaways. Man, I got dude? some amazing takeaways from my man, Michael Crafton, man. And I, and I have like almost, you guys, seriously, in this podcast, I have literally two pages worth. And I won't say them all, but I'm going to give you all some of the top ones. So I hope you're ready. One of the bigger ones, at least, that I saw, he started with. Um, and this is outside of the chapters, philosophy, and all the other stuff, but literally, See the good in people when other people don't. Genuine compassion. The fact that that's like in your blood, in your veins, Michael, from your family, that's phenomenal. And it actually, uh, the other one that I have here is go all in every time at all times. Like that is critical. Don't ever um, put yourself in a position where you're half doing something, but go all in every time at all times. You did that throughout your whole life and you're still doing it now. Uh, one thing you said specifically that I think a lot of people need to really understand if you're if you network, if your network can remember your passionate empathy, they will remember you every time. And the fact that you talked about that, where it was people that you've connected with earlier in time and all of a sudden you still haven't getting contracts 10, 12 years ago is the fact that they remembered your passionate empathy. This part, you guys add this into your repertoire. The act as if that's, philosophy. That's, bit, that's an awesome Act as if you are a CEO. Act as if you are already making moves. Act as if you already are what you want to be and you'll become that, right? That, that's that dreaming big type of component. So that act as if philosophy is huge. Uh, one of the things you said, remember, you have no risk in persistence. 
there's no risk in keep doing and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And the fact that you showed that and look what happened with you. Your ROI is, you know, your man is in your wedding with you and all that other stuff, which is pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, one, two other things here. You have to go where people are and communicate effectively. Communication, we're realizing, is definitely difficult for a lot of people. But if you can do that and go where the people are, it's a quality act, act of servitude. But one of the biggest things that you said, and um, kudos to you, Michael, because it shows where you're coming from, but do your best uh, philanthropically to help, but more importantly, protect your own. Um, and we need to definitely do that, not just for our businesses, not just for our family, but also, like you said, for our country. So good you know, stuff, man. And, and for me, that, you know, it, it, it's all, this is all awesome stuff, but, but act as if is just a great, a great one because when I think about the champions in sport, when I get the, the champions in life, right? Man, they don't, they're not, they're not, they're celebrating, right? But they're not in your face celebrating. They're not, they're not doing flips and, 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 uh, and a show in the end zone, right? It's the, it's the old Barry Sanders and the Walter Paytons of the world that set the ball down, give the ball to somebody else, right? And, and the, the Tom Brady's of the world, uh, you know, that, that, that just get it, they, they get it done every day and they expect, they expect it to, 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 you know, do it this way all the time and they expect to win all the time, right? And they do. But compared to, you know, celebrating, you know, that, that 2% of the time you have success and 98% of the time your head's down, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that act as if uh, that's, that's a big takeaway I'm taking with me. You, you forgot one extra person, the, the Michael Craftons of the world. Well, no, 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 no. Not, that's, you definitely yeah. got to add that in there. You can't put Tom Brady in there. Yeah, Michael you're right. You're right. Uh, Michael please Crafton's. Don't bring him up. Um, about, please don't bring him up. <laughs> you, look, you look at so many things in your life that, that I, I call unfair advantages, right? And 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 you 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 come across these just because you're good at it and you and you and you uh, you have a high EI, but you know the, the YPO thing and the relationships you've earned there, right? Create unfair advantages to the rest of the, the rest of the people that compete with you. When you look at you know we, I, I talk about my family, my wife, and and what an unfair advantage she is, is I can work every single day, bust my butt, and I know she's she's got all the confidence in the world. If I'm home late, it's for a good reason, you know. And and I you know all, all these things are unfair advantages. Um, yeah, I, I think of all the, the blessings you have and the unfair advantages you have and you're growing and, and, and you're creating every day. It's just, it's cool as can be. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky there. And uh, I want to plug and say that I think I'm the only grease hood cleaner in the whole YPO worldwide. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there's not, a, wait, wait, there's not a grease hood uh, network in YPO. You're saying? Yeah, geez, yeah, it's me. It's funny. I have meetings and everything. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man. Uh, anything you got? Uh, anything else you got to say, brother? I, you know, we, we've uh, we've we've taken a lot of your time, and we appreciate your your investment in time with us today. Because you're going to, I'm sure you've always inspired a lot of people. We're gonna we're gonna throw you in front of a lot more, right, Q? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate. It. No, I had a blast. You guys are awesome. Um, I, I um, am a, a researcher by just by nature. And uh, I listened to almost all your podcasts and I have to apologize, even though I normally don't apologize for being me. Um, but I think I said significantly more words um, than you guys did today, which <laughs> normally isn't happening. Normally you talk more in the podcast, which I was hoping for. It's tough to shut me up, but yeah. uh, your story is captivating. I'm listening, man. I'm learning. All right. No, I appreciate it. Uh, even though I know you, right. even though I know you're like three or four months younger than me, you know, and you should be learning from me a little more. I'm, I'm learning. I'm going to learn more from you. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you guys. This has been fantastic. You guys are great. Hey, I look forward to meeting you in person. Uh, we we have a lot of com, you know common friends, and and uh, I'll be in that Indianapolis area here and there. I want to meet you in person and uh, get a hug from you. All right. Absolutely, man. And we'll see you all on next time on Ditch Diggers CEO. See ya.
If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I can Discovered entrepreneurship Scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man We're blessed to build a business in America Where soldiers fight for our freedom every day Dad's work ethic was taught from the seed of a Gravel truck rolling down Highway 31. Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Man, aiming for a living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans, then I became the CEO man.